Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Dur Show. Um, yesterday, I was planning, in fact, we even sent out a tweet, uh, planning to talk about the Scott McKay business. I was planning to rail against uh, some Republicans, including members of the Trump uh, family and including former members of the Trump administration for being willing to speak at an event uh, at a hotel owned by Donald Trump um, in in Miami uh, with a man like Scott McKay, who's an out and out and out and out and out and out Nazi. And um, it's interesting because um, uh, something happened that 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 changed my views and i'll i'll tell you uh the story uh well the story begins with this i don't watch rachel maddow i don't like her um she you know tells distorted versions of half truths uh, most of the time but a friend of mine sent me a clip from rachel maddow uh, which had uh, all the details uh, involving scott mckay's nazism and um being a skeptic and not liking MSNBC and not liking Rachel Maddow, I didn't necessarily believe it. So I, I checked it all myself. I went back and I, I listened and I read uh, and I really informed myself as much as possible about who this guy, uh, Scott McKay, really is. And he was much worse than I thought uh, that, uh, in fact, Rachel Maddow understated what a horrible, horrible man uh, this is. Um, I found lots of articles quoting him exactly uh, over the years and uh, indeed on this very uh, platform, Rumble, uh, where he appears uh, frequently and espouses some of these horrible, horrible views. Among them that he claims that the Jewish people, quote, created Hitler. He was created by them because they needed a catalyst to profit from a military conflict. They praised Hitler for trying... Uh, he praised Hitler for trying to uh, liberate us from the money magic flat fiat, fiat system and create a banking system for the people in the free world. Um, McKay claimed that uh, 9-11, uh, the same group of people did a very good job of hiding under uh, under Judaism. Um, they he claimed that uh, the Jewish people were responsible for the Oklahoma City bombing, for the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln, John Kennedy, William McKinley, and, and, and many more things. Um, he claimed that the Jewish people were Satanists, child sacrifice, blood them, torture them, consume them, eat their hearts. McKay claimed that the Jewish people used the Rothschilds as their forerunners and created a banking system in exchange for child blood sacrifices. Um, just over and over and over again, it just gets worse. I, I couldn't even hold my, my dinner when, when I started doing uh, the research on him. And so I got very angry. Um, and uh, I wrote um, to Eric Trump, 
uh, who was going to be speaking at the event. I wrote to other people in the Trump circle who I've had contact with over the years. And I said to them, no, this is not acceptable. You can't do that. Um, you know, you have the Trump family at, at, when they were in the White House was you know, pro-Israel, pro-Jewish. Uh, I don't believe there is any anti-Semitism um, in, in, among the, the Trump family. I, I don't believe that. Um, um, as you know, one of the Trump daughters married an Orthodox Jew, a friend of mine, uh, and a former student at Harvard, uh, Jared Kushner. Uh, she converted to Judaism. Uh, Trump's grandchildren are Jewish. I, I just, just couldn't believe that Trump would knowingly associate with somebody who said these horrible things about Jews. We know that he met with Kanye West and others, but you know that was alleged to be just a setup or an accident. But this was a planned event, and it was apparently part of a tour around the country where uh, many of these people spoke, Eric Trump spoke and others spoke. And this guy, this Nazi, spoke too. In, in other words, the Trumps gave cover, essentially. Uh, and the Trump administration members, like the former acting attorney general of the United States, gave credence to this Nazi by allowing him to appear in the same platform as these people have have appeared. So I wrote to these people and I said, no, no, that's, that's not possible. Well, last night I was speaking, ironically, to the Women's National Republican Committee. What's a nice Democrat who's never voted for a Republican presidential candidate doing at a Republican women's dinner? Well, I don't get invited by Democrats anymore, and I uh, want to uh, make my points known. I want to make my points known about criticism of the Republicans and support for some of their platforms. Again, I try to introduce nuance and balance into everything I do. In the middle of my dinner, phone rings. Hey, Alan, it's Eric uh, Trump. Uh, what's up? And I said, I'm angry at you. Uh, you shouldn't be uh, speaking at an event where this guy... McKay is speaking. He says, who is this guy? I said, described in detail. He said, well, I don't know him. Uh, there are lots of speakers at this event. I said, Eric, that's no excuse. Um, you now know that you're speaking at an event at the Doral Hotel at which this guy is scheduled to speak. That is unacceptable. Either you should bow out or he should be not allowed to speak. And we talked. He talked about, um, you know, the fact that there were dozens and dozens and dozens of speakers. And I said, no excuse, just no excuse. A guy with views like this should not be anywhere near uh, your father's hotel, anywhere near um, anything having to do with Republicans or the Trump family or anybody who's running for president. Uh, he is a Nazi, a Nazi, not a, even a neo-Nazi. He's an old-fashioned Hitler Nazi. There's no minimizing that he is a Nazi and, and you should not be in any way associated with him. And he said, look, I'll, 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 I'll take it under consideration. And I went back and I made my speech. This morning, I got the following uh, message uh, at 825. As a follow-up, I took your advice. This is from Eric Trump. I asked the event organizer that the speaker be uninvited and they, because there's more than one, won't be in, won't be allowed on our property. 
don't know the person or anything about them. There are 70 people speaking over four days, including many people you know well, but for the avoidance of doubt, they will no longer be here. Well, it's more than the avoidance of doubt. There's no doubt about who this guy is. But I have to tell you um, what started out yesterday as a plan to condemn um, Eric Trump and others who have been involved in events with this thug, with this horrible man. I'm now going to commend uh, Eric Trump for doing the right thing. And I wrote him back. Thank you. You did the right thing. Um, and he did do the right thing. And, and hopefully this man will never again be invited um, to participate in any event in which any Trump or any decent person uh, is allowed to to appear. And I want to raise questions about Rumble. Now, one of the things I like about Rumble, one of the reasons I joined Rumble is because they don't censor. Um, and the question is, how far does that go? Would they not censor a white supremacist who talked about racial inferiority of certain races or um, somebody who is just overtly, overtly um, anti-black? Anti um, do they have any standards and policies? If they don't, if this is like a soapbox, I got no problem. I defended the rights of Nazis to march in Skokie, Illinois, because nobody is sponsoring them. They're just walking through the streets of Skokie. Or if you go to Hyde Park and there's a soapbox, you can stand on it. But if Rumble has any standards whatsoever, if it precludes child pornographers from being on the air, if it includes... Uh, if it excludes uh, others who are virulent, virulent uh, racists, bigots of any kind, then it must exclude McKay as well. And so I, I raise the question with with you, Rumble, what are, what are your standards? Uh, are you applying a single standard? If so, OK. Are you applying a double standard? If so, no way. So uh, I want some answers uh, from Rumble. I'm not making an accusation. I'm asking a serious question, but I do not want to be associated with any media that has made a decision to put Nazis on the air, but not put other people who represent other forms of bigotry on the air. You have to have one standard. I know the folks from Rumble. I know the people who run it. They're very good people. They're very decent people. And I suspect that... Um, they're not fully aware of what they are sponsoring when they sponsor McKay or, or they say, hands off, we have no standards at all. I'm, I'm happy with that approach if that's really the approach, but I need to know the answer to that. Now, I want to contrast what has gone on um, with the Eric Trump thing, which again, I commend Eric. I thank you for doing it. Uh, you did the right thing, as I said in my tweet to you. I want to contrast that with um, a few other things. Uh, one, Rashida Tlaib, Tlaib, I don't know how to pronounce her name, T-L-A-I-B, one of the squad, one of the vicious anti-Semites in the squad, scheduled an event um, in Congress, in the House of Representatives, um, calling Israel uh, an apartheid, you know, uh, genocidal, colonialist, whatever, really viciously 
anti-Zionist and anti-Semitic. Uh, and um, the Democrats didn't do anything about it, and they should have. The Democrats have gotten too close, too many of the Democrats, too close to too many people on the squad. I will not forgive um, uh, Nancy Pelosi for posing and smiling uh, for the cover of, um, of um, uh, Rolling Stone magazine with the most vicious anti-Semite uh, in the House of Representatives uh, uh, today, Ilan Omer. Uh, not the most anti-Semitic in history. There have been both Democrats and Republicans that have been worse uh, over the years, particularly some Southern senators. There was one senator, I think his name was Bilbo, who refused to accept Jewish children uh, who were seeking through their parents to be rescued from the Holocaust. Uh, he infamously said on the floor of the Senate, uh, today they're, they're pretty Jewish children, but in a few years they'll grow up to be ugly Jews uh, and voted against allowing them to come in. So there, there have been worse, but Ilan Omer ranks very much at the top of, of that list of anti-Semites and, and, and the majority leader of the House, the Speaker of the House, should never have posed with her and, and given her imprimatur to her kind of anti-Semitism. The Republicans did the right thing. They stripped her from committee assignments because of a bigotry and anti-Semitism. Well, the Republicans did the right thing also for um, uh, Rashida Tlaib. Uh, they canceled the event. They said, no, we're not going to let the House of Representatives be used to defame the nation state of, of the Jewish uh, people. Um, they wanted to celebrate Nakba Day. What is Nakba Day? It's interesting. Nakba means catastrophe. The day that Israel was established was a catastrophe. And it was a catastrophe, a catastrophe caused by the Palestinian leadership. Remember what the UN had recommended and what the Israeli leadership had accepted, a two-state solution. They had accepted a tiny little sliver of land along the, Atlant uh, the, the Mediterranean Sea which had a majority of Jews in it already as the nation state of the Jewish people. And the rest, the vast majority of arable usable land was to be dedicated to a Palestinian state with Jerusalem being a neutral city, basically controlled by international organizations like the UN. Israel accepted that. They were reluctant. It would be a tiny little sliver of land, but they accepted it. The Palestinians declared a genocidal war. That was the catastrophe. <clears throat> The catastrophe was the unwillingness of the Palestinians to accept a two-state solution. That resulted in two displacements. The displacement of some Arab people from who had lived in what <coughs> became uh, Israel, people who were fighting against Israel. And it resulted in an equal number of Jews who had lived for thousands of years, sometimes as much as 3,000, even more years, in Morocco, Algeria, Egypt. Uh, North Africa um, from those countries. They were expelled. They had to leave. They were threatened with death. And there was an exchange of population. Uh, as there have been exchanges of population in, in so many other parts of the world, obviously, uh, in Czechoslovakia following the end of the Second World War, India, Pakistan, uh, so many others. Uh, but only the Palestinians have refused to accept their own refugees. They put them in camps. These are not camps. They're really cities. I've been to them. Um, but they insist on keeping the wounds festering. And so there is a catastrophe, and the catastrophe was all the fault, 100% the fault of Palestinian leadership. And, and thank you, Kevin McCarthy, 
for not allowing the uh, building, our building, the building of the people of the United States to be used to disseminate a lie about uh, how Israel was established and why uh, the catastrophe was caused by uh, not uh, the nation state of the Jewish people or David Ben-Gurion, but by the Palestinian leadership. The Palestinian leadership that supported Hitler during the Second World War and sent volunteers to fight and kill Jews uh, with its head, uh, al-Husseini going and spending the war years in Berlin with Hitler. So this is not a two-sided issue uh, morally. And I'm glad that uh, Kevin McCarthy has has recognized that. He did uh, a great thing and a great job. And it, it, it worries me now that, that the Republicans, I'm a Democrat, I want to continue to vote Democrat, but it worries me that uh, the Democrats are making Israel into a, into a wedge issue, into an issue that divides uh, the nation along political lines and support for Israel along political lines. When I was growing up, Israel was always a bipartisan issue, uh, a bipartisan issue in which Democrats were more supportive of Israel than, than Republicans. Uh, the only people who ever opposed uh, Israel was some kind of oil-oriented Republicans who had interests in, in, in Saudi Arabia and, 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 and other Gulf areas. But the Democrats were universally in favor of, of, of Israel. Now that's changed. And many Democrats, led by not only the squad, but people like Elizabeth Warren and, uh, and others, including some Jewish members of the, of the House, uh, have turned very much against Israel and have accepted the false Palestinian uh, a narrative. And so I applaud uh, Kevin McCarthy. I applaud uh, Eric Trump. Um, Eric Trump should not, they should not have invited him in the first place. That was a mistake. They should have done their due diligence. But once I told him about it, and once I lectured him about it, I did lecture him, I have to admit that, uh, he came around and he did say, you know, you've persuaded me, basically. I took your advice. And he did take my advice. And I appreciate him taking my advice. And I, I thank him for doing it. And now I wish the Democrats would take my advice and marginalize these extremists. By the way, these extremists who have increasing influence on college campuses and on university campuses, um, people like AOC, uh, mostly they're ignoramuses. Mostly they don't know anything about the Middle East or, or I mean, AOC is an ignoramus and Elon Omer is a bigot. Uh, when you combine ignorance and bigotry, it's, it's, it's a very, difficult uh, combination. Uh, it's a witch's brew. And um, I would hope that the Democrats would go back to their roots and continue to make Israel uh, a bipartisan issue and support for the Jewish people a bipartisan uh, issue. You know, J Jews are subjected to enormous amounts of anti-Semitism today, increasing amounts of anti-Semitism. And both parties should be opposed to that. But as I mentioned before, recently when the New York City Council passed a resolution condemning attacks on Jews, we're talking about physical attacks, beating them up in the street, physical attacks on Jews, uh, two radical Democrats, uh, members of the equivalents of the squad, voted no, no, they refused to condemn the beating up of Jews. 
and four others abstained. No, they refused to condemn the beating up of Jews. All Democrats, all radicals, all people of the left. You know, one of these days, you're going to look back and say, why were the Democrats so willing to weaken themselves by by supporting a cause that is so immoral and, and not defending a cause that's so moral, the survival of the Jewish people, the nation state of the Jewish people. You know, Israel is celebrating its 75th anniversary. No country in the history of the world has ever contributed more to the world in just 75 years of its existence than Israel in terms of medical innovations, scientific innovations, agricultural innovations. Uh, so many of your family members have been saved and kept alive by innovations at Hebrew University and Technion and uh, Haifa University and Ben-Gurion University. These are some of the greatest scientific universities in the world by a country that started out as a poor agrarian uh, country. Yes, I am very proud of being a Zionist. And all a Zionist means is you support the right of Israel to exist as the nation state of the Jewish people. You don't have to support Netanyahu. You don't have to support one side in Israel or the other. You don't have to support or oppose judicial reform. A Zionist just means you agree that the Jews, like every other ethnic group, should have a homeland, should have a nation. And the Declaration of Independence of Israel, the original and original copy of which hangs on on my wall, guarantees equal rights to people regardless of ethnicity, religion, gender, uh, and it's been extended to other criteria as well. So every Zionist should be proud of Israel's accomplishments, and every different, decent person should be a Zionist. Uh, being a Zionist just means uh, you support the right of Israel to survive in the same way you support the right of the United States or Great Britain or Canada to survive. It's, it's not uh, some kind of dramatic ism. It's just a recognition of the reality that the Jews, especially after the Holocaust, are entitled to a state of their own, an ability to defend themselves against those who would seek to destroy it. And today the Republicans are doing a better job of defending that morality than some Democrats are. Joe Biden is a strong Zionist. He's a strong supporter of Israel. Um, I think it was Tom Friedman who predicted that Joe Biden may be the last presidential candidate of the Democratic Party who is pro-Israel. He's worried that the future candidates, or maybe he's not worried because he's not a particularly strong supporter of Israel. He's just analyzing the situation and saying that the next uh, candidates for president of the Democratic Party may be more like Barack Obama than they are like a Joe Biden. Well, I guess we'll wait and see, but uh, praise is deserved when it's deserved and condemnation when it's deserved, and I call him as I see him, without regard to party, without regard to affiliation, without regard to friendships, and I try to keep it straight. Okay, first question is relevant. The comments about Scott McKay appear to have been synthesized by Rachel Maddow. Shame on the Durst Show for not researching. Hey, I researched every bit myself. I agree with you. I wouldn't believe anything Rachel Maddow or MSNBC says without checking. I checked very carefully. I listened to him. I read his own words, and I stand by everything I said. My question is, why are you apparently supportive of Scott McKay? Look in the mirror and ask yourself that question. Hello, Professor. What happens 
if as possible in this case, now we're talking about the Trump rape case, a compromise among jurors produces a logically inconsistent verdict. It's a good question. I've, as you know, done hundreds of appeals and generally inconsistent verdicts are not a ground for appellate reversal. If it's too extreme, perhaps, but in general, merely showing that a jury may have compromised. And you see that in criminal cases all the time. Uh, they don't find the top charge, but they find a slightly lower charge. They don't find first degree murder. They find manslaughter as a compromise. Sometimes even though the law would only justify either a murder verdict or an acquittal, but sometimes there are compromises and the courts of appeals generally allow them to stand Dersh, you need to be on the appeal for Trump. Uh, no, uh, I've done my job. I've done my, my work for Trump. As I've said before, I'm happy to talk to any lawyers and give them the advice the, based on my experience of 60 years in litigating these kinds of cases. But I don't want to become uh, the lawyer for, for Donald Trump, either in civil or criminal cases. Thank you for clarification. I knew you would put the facts of this case uh, out of this mess. Well, I'm always glad to clarify. Um, I don't see him saying she's not my type could be considered defamatory. People say that all the time. I had a woman tell me two years ago that she wasn't my type when she dumped me. <laughs> You're just not my type, she said. Maybe I should be filing a def filing a defamation suit against her. I wonder how fast the judge would throw that case out. Very fast, I can tell you that, without a doubt. Professor, I'd like to propose an alternative point of view in this case, although I agree that they totally violated Trump's rights, but the total and this is an interesting point. The total anonymous jury likely is why they found in his favor of the rape charge. Could they have realistically done that in Manhattan if they weren't 100 percent anonymous? That's a very interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe anonymity could have in some ways helped Donald Trump because the jurors couldn't be blamed if they came to a verdict of acquittal. I don't know the answer to that. And what I don't know, and I could probably find out, but you know, I don't know. I didn't see it in any of the newspapers. Did the um, defense lawyers um, object to anonymous jurors or did they accept it for the reasons that are set out here? That could be an important point uh, on appeal. So I'm going to try to find the answer to that. If I can, I have a friend, Arthur Idala, who's a very close friend of the lawyer in the case. So I will make inquiry and find out the answer to that question. Here's something very critical of me. Alan was always a wobbler to listen to. The cowardice in not confronting the gender insanity ends his legitimacy. He will never occupy a millisecond of my consciousness again. Well, that's okay with me. I have no confusion about gender. Uh, my view on gender is this. Uh, you were born biologically either a man or a woman. There are, there are some small number of people, I think they're called hermaphrodites, who have uh, elements of both male and female biological factors, but we're not talking about that. But that's a possibility. In fact, um, the, the Jewish religion back 4,000 years ago deals with people like that. So it's been a problem throughout human history. My point is simply this. It's a civil rights issue. Uh, I don't care what you're born. If you make a decision, it's your life. If you make a decision, born a woman that you want to live your life as a man, born a man that you want to live your life as a decision as a woman, 
It's none of my business. I'm going to treat you as a human being. I'm going to give you all the rights a human being deserves. Now, you can get to the other issues, and those are debatable. Which bathrooms do they use? Can they compete in sports if they were born a man and became a woman? Uh, how old should you have to be before you have uh, surgery? All of that's reasonable and subject to debate. What is not subject to debate is pure discrimination against a man who decided to live his life as a woman or a woman who decided to live her life as a man. That is pure discrimination. That's, in my mind, not very different than a man who decides he wants to marry another man or a woman who decides that she wants to marry another woman or a Jew who decides that he or she wants to marry somebody who's not Jewish or an African-American who decides they want to marry somebody or an African-American who wants to live his life as a white person if he can pass or a Jew who wants to live his life as a Christian. Um, it's just not my business that you have one life, live it in the way that is most, most meaningful to you. So yeah, you want to change from a man to a woman, God bless you. You want to change from a woman to a man, God bless you. We'll work out the details in a democratic way. But as to that core, core issue, I am unequivocal and I am not confused. And therefore, yes, I can define who is a man and who's a woman. I define it at birth at one point and then as a matter of choice at another point. There's nothing illogical about that. And it's consistent with civil liberties. Here's my favorite question of the night. Alan, have you ever written a book? No, I never wrote a book. I've only written 52 of them. Um, uh, yeah, and you could look them up, but I've written a book. I wrote my first book when I was, I think, 25 or 26, uh, a case book, a law book called uh, Psychoanalysis, Psychiatry and Law. And then my second book was, uh, a, again, a case book, an academic book on criminal law. And then my third book was The Best Defense. And since that time... 50 more. I'm working on book number 53 right now, and I'm part of the way through book number 54. So the answer is yes, I've written a book. I hadn't read a book by the time I got out of high school, but I've written, I've written enough of them. So <laughs> thanks for your questions and uh, uh, have a good weekend and see you next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.